0: Take your Bibles and open them, please, to Exodus 13. I see that you survived the XIT rodeo weekend. Well done. (laughs) For some of you, there was more surviving, and others of you, you just uh, straight up enjoyed it. Now, I I mean, I have to confess that my family did not grow up around here. We did not grow up around cowboys and Indians. We did not grow up around rodeos and that sort of thing. And so we get a kick out of it. Like, we think it's great. When people want to visit us, we tell them come during the XIT weekend. So those of you who have lived here your whole life and you're like, you know, like it's your least favorite weekend. You have people like me to blame for inviting people to add to the noise and confusion and craziness um, of the XIT weekend. So I'm sorry, but not really, because um, we just we we enjoy it and to watch a human being strap himself to the back of a beast that wants nothing more than to get rid of that human being. I mean, I just think this is great. Like cowboys, I'm not so sure about their IQ, but they provide wonderful entertainment for the rest of us. Uh, and so when you see the, you know the 24-year-old cowboy walking around like this for the rest of his life, you think, well, man, you you did it. Nobody made you get on the back of that animal. That's, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. We, we get a, a really uh, big kick out of that. Uh, I want to thank Matt for all of his announcements this morning. I wanted to add one more an- announcement of my own. You know, last week we kicked off some new Sunday school classes um, here. And last weekend, this week, we've had really great attendance. Uh, I think especially in the, uh, the, the uh, adult Sunday school class A and in the teen Sunday school class. But um, I just wanted to share with you, you know, as, as pastors, as one of the pastors at Liberty, you know, uh, Matt and Will and I talk about how we... Uh, as, as men who are responsible for your souls. I mean, that, that's something that I regularly think about. One of the things that the Bible says in the book of Hebrews is that there's coming a day where the three of us are gonna have to give an account for you. That's a, that's a really sobering thing. And, and as we think about that uh, accountability, one of the things that we're aware of is it's our responsibility to bring into your lives things that are going to strengthen you in your discipleship and your followership of Jesus Christ. And so one of the ways that we believe God would have us as a church uh, be, or as pastors, bringing uh, your discipleship to the next level and helping you is through just the good old-fashioned Sunday school program. And I know that it kind of fell out of favor, you know, 20 years ago, but in a lot of churches it's falling back into favor because it is a way for you to receive biblical instruction that will help you. It will help you. It will strengthen you. It, will, it is good for you. So I want you to hear this, and rarely do I kind of play the pastor card. I'll play the pastor's plural card, okay? Pastor Matt, Pastor Will, Pastor Jeremy, together believe that you should be at Sunday school. We, ju- we just do. We, and, 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 there are, and so on any given Sunday morning, you're going to be making a value judgment. We, we talked about this in my Sunday school class this morning. You're going to be making a value judgment as to whether or not Thing A is more valuable than Thing B, and I just want to encourage you that we're 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 doing a parenting class here uh, in this in this room. Uh, Matt and Will are teaching theology uh, in the other room. You know, we've got teen Sunday school, we've got Sunday school all the way down through all of the the young children, and so you're going to be valuing sleep or Sunday school or something, right? Or and I just want to encourage you, and I'll, I'll tell you something I learned from a pastor years ago. Some of you have heard this before because it's, it's not original with me, and I'm not sure that it's original with the guy that I heard it from but Sunday morning begins when? Saturday night, right, yeah. Sunday morning begins Saturday night, right? So it, it, Sunday morning doesn't sneak up on you, right? Oh, no, I didn't, no, you knew Saturday night that Sunday morning was coming. And so you're, I'm not, I don't want to scold you, you're here this morning and I'm thankful for that. I do want to say, though, as, as one of your pastors who is responsible for your followership of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you. I, I do want to kind of lean on you a little bit to be at Sunday school. I think it will be worth, I, I really think it will be worth your spiritual growth uh, to take that as something that God has provided for you. Um, so there, my my scolding is done. Exodus chapter 13, and this morning we're gonna be looking at verses 17 through 22. Now this is one of those passages where I desperately wish that there was a, a DVD-ROM that came with our Bibles that included video footage of what this looked like. We, we all probably have that, where we, we the story of David and Goliath. don't you wish you could have seen that play? I mean, there's just a number of things that happen in the Bible where I think, man, I wish I could have seen that happen. This is one that, for, for you, you might think, oh, this, this is, I never thought of this passage that way. This is one of those passages that I've always thought: What did this look like? When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses Took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. Verse 21 is the the verse that I wish I could see. I wish there was a video. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night, a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Father, as we look into this passage and see your comforting, guiding presence for the people of Israel, I pray that we will be reminded that your comforting presence guiding presence is available to us as well. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When Angie and I were traveling on our, uh, our honeymoon, we left Greenville, South Carolina, and we were going to Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And on our way there, we had to go through the city of Philadelphia. And, you know, here I am, a husband for a day and a half by this point, the, the fearless leader, the guide. I can never tell you which way's north and which way's south, right? I, and so here I yes, you know. And so here I am leading uh, my bride, and we drive through the city of Philadelphia. And about 20 minutes later, we drove back through the city of Philadelphia, like, on, like the same road, the same billboards, the same lane. And I looked over at my precious bride, and I said, uh... I don't know how we ended up back here, and I don't know what I'm going to do differently to get us out of this, you know, like Groundhog Day continual loop, like, oh no, what are we ever going to do? Somehow we found our way out of Philadelphia, and we did eventually find our way to uh, our destination, but I-, I-, I am not a particularly good guide. I'm not good at getting people, especially from one geographic location to another, um, I thankfully, as an adult, only had to navigate by like atlas, just a handful of times, and then GPS units came in, and then now I'm like, you know, when I go from here to United, Siri tells me where to turn. I don't even, I don't have a clue how to get from point A to point B. I'm not a very good guide, but I have experienced really great guides before. When Angie and I uh, went to Israel a few years ago, we had R E A Bar David. I still call him the most interesting man in the world. He had been an Israeli forces paratrooper. He was a follower of Jesus Christ, but had grown up. I mean, he was a messianic Jew, um, and he was our and he. Had, so he lived in in Israel his entire life. Many of the ro- wars in recent recent can't talk. Many of the wars in recent history, he had been in the Israeli military as one of the commanding officers. I mean, this guy just had story after story. I mean, he would go places and he would say, yeah, and when a missile struck here and blew up, then our tanks went here and I was in the first tank leading, I mean, just an amazing man and knew the Bible inside out and forward and backwards. REA was a wonderful guide. He knew, he knew where we were going. He kept us on schedule. He was a wonderful communicator. He kept us safe. He was a good guide. And when you're looking for a guide, when you're looking for someone to get you from point A to point B, when you're going somewhere that you've never been before, you want someone who knows where they're going and they'll do what they say and they communicate well and they know how to keep you safe. And don't you just feel that in life you need a guide? I mean, even, even as a parent, right, we bluff our way through parenting pretty well, right? Like, you know, I, I, rem- I remember thinking, like, as a kid, my dad knows everything and always knows the right thing to do, always. I thought that of my, uh, of my dad. And now that I'm a dad, I'm like, there's no way, there's no way my dad felt the way that I thought he felt. Right? And now I'm talking with my dad, and you know, he shares with me the challenges of being a parent and the challenges of navigating leadership as a pastor and that sort of thing. Right, I, I know now, but as we live life, we're aware that we need help. We need someone. And you look at your spouse, and you realize they're a wonderful spouse, but like they don't have the answers that I need. They don't provide the guiding ship that I need. You and I need a guide, brothers and sisters. Life is challenging. You likely have concerns in your life right now. And in some areas, you don't know where you're going. And if you did, you wouldn't know how to get there. You you don't know if God is there to help you and whether or not he will keep his promises. You may struggle to experience his comfort and you're just not sure you're going to make it safely. Like, I've put all my eggs in this basket, Lord. Am I going to make it? Well, what we need to see in this passage this morning is that God's guiding presence is with those he delivers. That's my main point this morning. God's guiding presence is with those that he delivers. And we see it abundantly clearly right here in this passage that I've already read to you this morning, and I, I love this passage. this is one that I've been eager to get to and to preach, and, and God has delivered the people of Israel from the, the land of Israel uh, from the land of Egypt, right The death angel has come and done his thing, and, and now God's people are being delivered, and as they're being delivered, we immediately find out that God's presence is in the life of Israel. And we're going to look at two points, two big points this morning. Point number one, we're going to look at God's presence in the life of Israel. And then point number two, we're going to look at God's presence in the life of a believer today. We're going to take the lessons that we learned from Israel in the first part of the sermon and apply them to our lives today. But first, let's just study this passage for what it is, for what it is telling us, for what it is teaching us. God, we see God's presence in the life of of Israel. And the first thing that we see God's presence in the life of Israel doing is we see him leading them. Look in verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by a certain way, but instead he led them, verse 18, but God led the people around a different way. So God is actively, right from the get-go, God is leading his people. God is the one, if you will, out in front saying, I'm the guide, and here's where we're going to go. And here's what I think is incredibly interesting as we just jump right into it. Isn't it kind of interesting that verse 17 says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them By way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, right? Like God's leading to the promised land. And if you looked on a map, if you have, you're welcome to do that. If you have a Bible with one of those maps in the back, and it probably has a couple different options for the route that Moses would have taken as they left the land of Israel, or uh, the land of Egypt, as they leave Egypt, uh, the most direct route into Israel, modern day Israel, the promised land, would have been to kind of curve up along the Mediterranean Sea and go. would be see I'm struggling with directions right now northeast up into up into Israel but instead God leads them south mostly south but southeast not in the direction of of Israel And, and God says that he leads them a different direction lest the people change their minds when they see war And return to Egypt. And one of the things that we have to acknowledge right here out of the get go is often when God leads, He doesn't lead in a direction that makes sense to us in the moment, but makes sense to Him. Because God is aware that as He is delivering the people of Israel from the land of Egypt, that if he led them into the land where the Philistines were, and historians tell us that that the Philistines kind of occupied that area to the north and east of Egypt, and they were a very strong military uh, um, group of people. And had God led the Israelites into there, they would have immediately faced war, and God didn't want them to change their minds and return to Egypt. Now, we read a verse like that and we think, surely you've just been delivered from Egypt. Like you, the place you've been wanting to leave forever, and the first thing that happens, like you're gonna leave and then immediately want to turn around and go back to, no, of course that can't be the way the Israelites really felt. But in Numbers chapter fourteen verse three, it says this: The Israelites are saying these words in Numbers chapter fourteen verse three. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt God knows his people he knows their weaknesses he knows what would turn them back and so God brings them in a direction that is going to be good and best for them and just like people who are saved out of drugs or bad relationships they often run back to the thing that they know when things get hard the people of Israel are going to be tempted that same way. And before we think wrongly about God's sovereign leadership, remember, remember that God, when God leads us, we think, we think um, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And we stop there. And we think that God's leadership means if the Spirit of God is with me and God is leading me, He is going to lead me into candy land, right? Toys are, uh, what's the, babes in, in toy land, right? Like life is just going to be the credit card commercial, Sandy Beaches of Hawaii, right, which is where the beavers are right now. I'm a little jealous, right? And we, we are t- we're inclined, we're tempted to think that, well, when God leads, God... But brothers and sisters, we'll look at this passage next week, but for those of you who know how the story continues, spoiler alert, where's the first place God leads the people of Israel? To the Red Sea, and things look bad immediately. Oh, great, he delivered us, what, to drown in the sea or to be killed by the... God's way of leading is leading us in a way that helps us trust in him more. And that's what God's doing here in the, in, in the lives of the people of Israel. The people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt. God is leading them. So he, he leads them not in the way that brings them closest to the uh, land of promise, but he's actually leading them in a different direction. God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. and We're going to read about that next week. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Now, that, the end of verse 18 is a little bit interesting to me. Let me just take a quick second to do um, a little bit of, uh, a, of theological and, and word study explanation. It seems like God's saying two different things here. They're not ready for battle, but they left Egypt ready for battle, right? Like, I'm not going to lead them directly through the land of the Philistines lest they encounter battle and turn back, but I'm leading them out ready for battle. And that phrase, lead, equipped for battle, is a little bit of a confusing phrase. It literally means they went out of Egypt in military formation. Uh, and literally, like they went out in groups of 50 is how that can be interpreted. And so... I believe what's happening here, and I'm not the only one who believes this, but I believe what's happening here is it just means that they left kind of in rank and file. They left in an orderly way, and many interpreters have taken this phrase and and turned it. um, they, They recognize that it's a military kind of formation that they're leaving in, and they've interpreted it as equipped for battle. My personal opinion is that it probably just means they left in military formation. They left in an orderly way. I'm not convinced that it means that they... Had swords and spears and were actually equipped for battle. In fact, as as they make their way into the promised land or as they make their way into the wilderness, it becomes clear they don't know how to fight. There's a lot of ways in which they aren't equipped for battle. So, if you're wondering, what does that phrase there in the verse 18 mean? Um, uh, that, that's that's what, uh, to the best of my understanding, that's what that that phrase means. But that's not the only thing that God's presence is doing. God is God is leading the people of Israel, but He's also keeping promises. And we see this in a really interesting uh, section here in verse 19. Verse 19 says this, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Who remembers how many years ago, who remembers how long the people of Israel have been in captivity? Yeah, 400 years. So Joseph's bones, which almost certainly have been embalmed, mummified by the people of Egypt. I mean, these bones have been around for a long time. In four hundred years is a long time for a message to be advanced, right? Do, do any of you have relatives from four hundred years ago that you have like a message from? Hey, remember to do no, no, I don't either, right? None of us do. For four hundred years, the message had been given and passed forward and passed forward and passed forward. When we leave here. We're supposed to take Joseph's bones. And the Bible tells us that Joseph knew this, and Joseph said to the people of Israel, when you leave here, you take my bones with me. I don't want to be buried here. Um, Joseph knew that God had made a promise to the people of Israel. And the people of Israel had been keeping this message of surely it had to be passed on from generation to generation in some way that people knew, hey, don't forget When we leave, Joseph made his promise, and Grandpa told me to tell you, and his Grandpa told him, and, you know, back, back, back all the way to Joseph. And brothers and sisters, what God is doing here, when we see Moses taking the bones of Joseph with him, this isn't just some random like, hey, hey, uh, yo, yeah, I almost forgot. Don't forget to bring Joseph's bones. That's a weird thing for us to include, right? Like if someone's buried somewhere, we just kind of leave them be, right? Let, them, let Joseph's buried in Egypt, but we'll all go be buried in the promised land. But what's happening here is we're seeing God's faithfulness, God's promise keeping leadership and presence with his people. As they're leaving Egypt. He is leading them, and He is keeping promises that have been made all along the way. God is leading them out of Egypt. He is promise-keeping on their way out of Egypt, and He's comforting them. What what He's actually doing here as He leads them is He's bringing comfort into their lives, and He's doing this specifically through this pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. Now, again, you, you can probably detect my fascination with this. I, I mean, I just desperately wish I knew exactly what, was it some enormous, like thousands of feet tall, inexplicable column of cloud during the day? It's described as a column, so it, it, it's, it, it doesn't just mean it was cloudy during the day. There was this column of cloud, and at night there was this pillar of fire. So, I mean, I think the the pillar of cloud would be cool during the day, but come on. A pillar of fire at nighttime? I mean, if I have just been delivered from Egypt, I've seen all these plagues that God has done. So, I mean, I'm already pretty impressed. And then as I walk out, as I leave the only thing that I've ever known, and I march out into a wilderness And Moses may have said to them, hey, I know this wilderness like the back of my hand. I've spent 40 years out here taking care of sheep. I'm still thinking, ah, you know, one guy and he was a shepherd. Can he lead what was probably hundreds of thousands? Some even estimate maybe north of of a million people out into this wilderness. I mean, can this guy lead us? But then during the day, there is this unexplainable and obviously present for everyone to see pillar of cloud and at night. And when do you and I fear the most? When, 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 what time of day? We fear at night, right? The sun goes down, and the things that go bump in the dark scare us a little more during that time. Um, uh, our, our own thoughts and doubts and fears. I mean, when, when do you struggle with those things? Often, for most of us, it's at night. It's at nighttime, right? Right? and we're there and things are i mean that's when we're tempted to be and here oh man i don't know this 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 pillar of fire and i i look out my my tent and i see i don't know how to explain that but that's god and and he's leading us and yeah moses is leading us but like i this when the when the cloud moves we follow and when the when the fire moves we follow Psalm 105, verse 39 says this, He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light by night. And, our brothers and sisters, there's no question that, you know, when, when it's sunny outside and there's a little bit of cloud cover, that's a comforting thing, right? It happened last night when, for those of us who ate brisket out here. Um, I mean, there was just a little bit of cloud cover and it made it so much more comfortable for us. At night, a, even just a, a light in the hallway is a good idea. A night light is a helpful thing for us to find some comfort. I mean, not that I need it. My kids, my kids. Nightlights are for, for kids, but, you know. And don't you know that this was a comforting thing for Moses and for the people of God? So here, God's presence is with his people. And he's leading them out of, the promised land, or, uh, out of Egypt. And he's keeping promises on the way. And he's comforting them with this physical, visual, observable cloud during the day and fire at night, and then He's speaking to them. Psalm 99, verse 7, in the pillar of the cloud, He spoke to them. And we're going to get to the, the passage uh, here in a few weeks where He's at the, the, uh, Mount Sinai, and God is speaking to them. He's leading them. He's keeping promises. He's comforting them. He's speaking to them. God is with them. His people. It is God's desire from the very beginning of time. What does God do? God creates Adam and Eve and he puts them in his special promised land, in his garden of Eden. And what does he come? He comes and he walks with them and he talks with them and his presence is with them and comforting them. This is the way God has always desired to interact with his people. And fast forward to eternity future the new heavens and the new earth. And what is God doing? God is with his people in a new garden, in the recreated earth. And so this this is God's MO. God's MO, God's modus operandi, God's way of working with his people is to be with them. And so God, remember, the people of, of Israel are delivered in order that God may dwell with them on their way to dwell with him he's speaking to them and he's protecting them this pillar of cloud and pillar of fire we're going to I'm 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 getting ahead of myself but next week Exodus chapter 14 verse 19 then the angel of god who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel and there was the cloud and the darkness and it lit up the night without one coming near the other at all. And so this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire are protecting God's people. So God delivers his people and he's leading them. And the path that he's going to lead them on is not a path that's, that's a flowery bed of ease There are going to be challenges. There are going to be difficulties. He's going to lead them. He's leading them to the Red Sea. He's going to lead them into the wilderness. He's going to lead them to Mount Sinai. God's going to lead, and his ways are not always exactly what we would anticipate, but as he is leading, he is comforting. He is promise-keeping. He is speaking to his people, and he is protecting. We, We see clearly that this is what God is doing with the people of Israel right here in this passage. But who do the people of Israel remind us of? Us. And the way that God dwelt with and led his people with his presence is the same way, brothers and sisters, that God continues to lead and interact with his people today. See, point number two is this, God's, God's presence in the life of a believer. So we see God's presence in the life of Israel And for application for us this morning, we see God's presence in the life of the believer. What's what's the way in the New Testament? Who remembers the way that when, when God's presence showed up for the early church? What do we call that event? Yeah, Pentecost. That's exactly right. And at Pentecost, what happened? The Holy Spirit came. And this is not coincidental, brothers and sisters. What was the physical manifestation of the Spirit of God to the followers of Christ at Pentecost? Fire, right? Acts chapter 2, verse 1, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And we haven't gotten to Mount Sinai yet, but at Mount Sinai, mighty rushing winds... And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. i preached through Acts. This deserves its own sermon, but just here real quickly. When God's presence was with the people of Israel in the book of Exodus, there was one big pillar, one big column of fire that was leading the the collective people of God. But when, when, when the Holy Spirit shows up at Pentecost, there are tongues of fire, flames of fire, some little miniature pillars of fire that show up. And those pillars of fire are individualized. The Holy Spirit who dwelt with God's people collectively in the, whole, in the Old Testament is now with God's people and he's dwelling with them Where? In, in them, as individuals, as individual, God's presence has come to dwell with his people. The Spirit of God has come, and he dwells with his people. And brothers and sisters, the Spirit of God comes at conversion. And, and, and there, there are some Christians who disagree. They believe that the Spirit of God is, is a separate and second blessing. I don't believe that's taught in the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. John chapter three, verse five, Jesus answered, "I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So you, 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 if you're not born of the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And so if you're born again, but you don't have the spirit, what does that make you? Well, I believe that to be born spiritually is to be born of the spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become His heirs, To the hope of eternal life. And there are other passages, but these are just a few that I believe make it clear that a person, a a Christian, receives the Spirit of God at their conversion. When they turn from their sins and put faith in Jesus Christ to be their Lord and to be their Savior, they're saved, and the Spirit of God comes to indwell them. So the Spirit of God comes, and what is the Spirit of God doing in the life of believers today? What is God doing in the lives of believers today? Well, He's doing the same thing that He was doing with the people of Israel. God delivers the people of Israel out of Egypt. He saves them And then his presence is with them, leading them. And when God saves you and me, immediately we have his presence with us, and his presence goes with us. And just like he was leading and promise-keeping and comforting and speaking and protecting, he's doing those exact same things in the lives of his people today. Did the people of Israel go on to live perfectly sinless lives? (laughs) Not not even close. Close. Friends, let's be patient with our forefathers. Let's also understand and be patient and gracious with one another. We we aren't delivered from sin to therefore go and walk flowery beds of ease or sinlessly perfect lives. But God's presence, just like His presence was with the people of Israel, God's presence is with us. And He's doing the same things. He's leading us. He led the people of Israel by a route that he, he knew was good for them. And do you know that the route that God has you on is directed by him? I can't remember if I finished this this morning when I talked about um, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. What's the next part of Psalm 23? The shepherd's psalm. Yea, though I go where? Do you know who leads you there? The shepherd does. He, the, the shepherd of Israel and the shepherd of you, of you and your soul, he, he does not lead you to green pastures and lead you beside still waters. And then when you come to the valley of the shadow of death moments in your life, he doesn't go, I'll catch you on the other side. right? He doesn't kind of kick you in and kind of wait and see how you're going to right? imagine him. He's got you by the hand and he's leading you beside still waters and he's restoring your soul And then he leads you into the valley of the shadow of death. But he's right there with you and you'll fear no evil. Why? Because his rod and his staff comfort you. He knows that the valley of the shadow of death or whatever the challenging set of circumstances going going into the wilderness rather than going into the promised land immediately. He knows that these are good and wise for us. And we have to remember it. Because we have our moments where we feel like my back, I got the Red Sea back here, and Israel or uh, Egypt closing in over here, and like choice A is a choice, and choice B is a choice, and I don't like either of my choices. And don't you know the faithfulness of God? So many of you could attest to this. There, there have been so many times in my life where I look at my circumstances and I think there's choice A and there's choice B. And God has to do one of those. And God comes in with choice G. And I'm like, I never could have imagined choice G. But God comes in with choice G. And, and it's just exactly perfect. Any, anybody have testimonies like that where you're just like, I, I thought these were my options. And God leads me in an in a option that I didn't even see as a, as a possible option. God does this with the children. Again, I'm starting to preach next week's sermon. I'm sorry. Right? God's going to deliver the people of Israel in a way that they, they wouldn't have been like, hey, 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 I know what he's going to do. Gonna, and we're going to, No, right? Like, No one was sitting there thinking, I'm not sure if he's going to, but I bet you we could just walk right through this sea because that makes sense. No. I'm telling you, that's not how it worked. And yet... God in His wisdom shows up and surprises them. He's leading them. He's leading us. John 16, verse 13, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you. He will guide you where? He will guide you into all truth. Jesus promised that His Spirit would guide us into all truth. And the fact that you have the Spirit of God, the fact that the people of Israel were being delivered was a promise being kept to Joseph and a promise being kept to them. And just like that was a promise being kept for them, the fact that you have the Holy Spirit of God is a promise being kept. Acts chapter 1, the people of, of God are, be, are told to wait for the promise of the Father, to wait for the Holy Spirit. The fact that we receive the Spirit of God when we are born again is God keeping a promise that He has made to His people. So God is leading us as His people God is keeping promises for us as his people. God is comforting us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 refers to God as the God of all comfort. And again, we, we know this to be true because the Bible says it's true. That's what makes it true, not your experience. And yet, for so many of us, it is the experience of God that when it made no sense to be comforted by him, you were comforted by him. When a loved one died, when you received a, you know, a medical um, report, you know, whatever, you know, when you realized we don't have any more money and it didn't make any sense to be comforted, yet the Spirit of God comforted you in that moment. God leads and keeps promises and comforts and speaks to us. John chapter 16, verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so what does the Spirit of God do? He takes what is God, and he declares it to you. And I think for many of us, when we consider the speaking of God in our life, when we think about the speaking of the Holy Spirit, we talked about this, we touched on this just briefly in Sunday school this morning. We want a voice from God because that's cool and exciting. We want to hear something late at night, right? We want some kind of, you know, visitation, and audible something, and yet God has given us His Word. He has spoken, and the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and opens your eyes to understand and your heart to believe the Word of God. Do you know that that is the Spirit of God speaking to you? That's the most miraculous and amazing. The fact that the Spirit of God told you to go buy a new red truck, uh, I'm don't. I. I'm just saying that's not normative. We don't see any of that in the Old Testament, right? Go buy a new red chariot, right? Now, great, you want to go buy a new red truck, fine, but don't blame it on God. right? And yet, and, and, and I'm not saying that God never leads us in a way that we just go, you know, I, I really feel like the Lord was speaking to me. We use language like that, and I understand that. But God has spoken, and the Spirit of God wants to take what God has spoken and open your eyes to understand it and to believe it and to obey it. That is the speaking presence of God in your life. So the Spirit of God is leading you, and He's keeping promises, and He's comforting you, and He's speaking to you. He speaks to His people, and He protects them. He protects them. Again, in in John, I've used John 16, 13 several times through this but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. He, he's, he's bringing you uh, to the right place in the right way, and he's, he's protecting you as, as a follower of him. People of Israel are followers of Yahweh God as he leads them out into the wilderness, and he is protecting them. And just like God protected Israel, God God is protecting us. See, see, God is someone who saves people in order to dwell with them on their way to dwell with him. uh, On purpose, I'm trying to refer to that specific theme week after week after week. So if you want to write that down, God delivers his people that he may dwell with them on their way to dwell with him. That's the story of Exodus. God delivers his people, Israel, from Sin and slavery, Egypt, God delivers his people so that he may dwell with them here. We see it in this passage. And then there's going to be a tabernacle built Well, they'll see, I mean, they'll, they'll experience the dwelling presence of God even more clearly. And then when they get to the promised land, they're going to dwell with God in the promised land. God is delivering his people that he may dwell with them so that they will dwell with him forever. And that's your story. If you've turned from sin and put faith in Jesus Christ as your savior, that's your story. He's delivered you from sin and slavery, and He dwells with you right now by His Spirit. He's leading you, and sometimes it's into to green pastures, and sometimes it's in the valley of the shadow of death, but He's leading you right now, and He's dwelling with you to bring you to a place and to bring you to a day where you will dwell with Him forever, and that is what our hearts are longing for. That's all the other attempts that we make in our life to satisfy and to, to to make life easy and to make life comfortable. I was talking with I was talking with someone uh, just yesterday um, about our longing for peace, the you know, Old Testament word shalom. We we want, and and you might be like me right now, where in general life's pretty calm right? You, you, like, you don't want to say it out loud, right? Because you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to, well, that's metal. You knock on wood, right? Like we have all kinds of stupid things that we do thinking that we're going to somehow prevent. And, and then, and we think, boy, it would be nice that it, for the, if like the rest of my life could kind of be lived with like no real problems. And you, like, you know, that's just not how it's going to work. But you're longing for it. You're desperately longing for it. That longing that you have is put in you by God. You're supposed to long for peace and long for prosperity and long for the presence of God. And brothers and sisters, that day will come. It's an eternal day. It is what we are by faith in pursuit of. So while we live here on this life, husband and wives are going to fight. Churches are going to disappoint. Bank accounts aren't going to have enough. Health reports from the doctor are going to be scary. COVID's going to come back in all shapes and sizes, right? I mean, like we just think, no, not a, we just got through this. I'm not going to do it again, right? But is it possible that God is leading you or us on a path that we look at and go, Oh, man, like that cannot be the right way. And yet God in his wisdom knows just exactly what his people need so that they can become more like Christ as he dwells with them on their way to dwell with him. How, how do we get the indwelling presence of God? I've made reference to it a couple of times here this morning, but just let me make it really clear as I conclude. It's not just automatic. You're not just born a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says that you're born an enemy. You, you, you're stiff-arming God. You, you don't want him. You're not following him. That's how we're born. And that sinfulness toward God, that stiff-arming of God, taking the crown off of his head and putting it on our own head, that, that sin deserves punishment, and punishment is eternal separation from him in hell forever. That is scary. And God doesn't want to lead anyone there. He wants to, that's the sin and slavery that he wants to lead you out of. And he has provided a way through the blood sacrifice of his son, just like the Passover lamb for Israel. God has provided his son to be a blood sacrifice so that if you will put your faith in him, you will be covered by the blood. And God will forgive you of your sins, and he will bring you, he'll come and dwell in you, Here and now and bring you to dwell with him forever. If you're here this morning and you don't have the indwelling, leading, comforting, promise-keeping, protecting, speaking presence of God in your life, then you need to turn from your sins and trust in Christ as your as your Savior, and the Spirit of God will indwell you. And it doesn't mean that life will be perfect, that you'll never sin, or that the path will always be smooth. But you will have this leading, promise-keeping, comforting, speaking, protecting presence of God. In your life, I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and just just for a minute, because in a moment we're going to leave, and the busyness of life is going to hit us in the face again. And that's okay. It's, we we live we live out there. We don't live in.